0: When that bass crashes in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, HelloFresh and Native. They bring the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, All about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff kanata that's spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who still hasn't won an Academy Award, but that only puts him four awards shy of the EGOT. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian Hello Jeff,
1: hello everybody. I I did win the award for remembering to cancel my auto renew to my Google Stadia Pro account though.
0: Yeah, you didn't uh, you didn't throw uh y- your your boy any uh any hints on that. Luckily there was some This is the hint. Somebody Jeff. on Twitter, no, somebody on Twitter was like, "Hey, did you tell Jeff?" and I, Jeff Kanata'd me. And I, I was know like, I didn't oh, have to
1: because I knew nope. we were going to talk today. Christian
0: did not do that. I'm going to do that immediately. It's Thank the 19th. You. This is your PSA. It
1: is that if you're uh, a founder, a day one founder is likely like the 19th. It pains me. And we'll get to it later. It pains me.
0: If you're a founder. To say that I can Stop founding. It. Stop founding is what you're saying. It's, uh, you got to get off that founding because the 24th is the day.
1: What, what they said is that it's actually short for dumbfounded, that yeah. anyone would do it. Um. Yeah, no kidding.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, hey, we got a lot to talk about. Not just, uh, you know, PSAs for Stadia, but we got, there's tons of news today. We got games galore to talk about. This is not your typical February show. Uh, there's lots to get to, and we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata And you're downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited because DLC stands for discovering a link between chums. Because we have the co-host and co-founder of the Secret Friends Unite podcast, Todd Oxtra is joining us for the first time. Hey, Todd.
2: Hey, guys. Long time listener. First time caller
0: oh welcome welcome welcome
2: yes thank you for having me on i love uh what you guys have been doing for all time uh for a long time i have a trs sticker still in my car and i oh uh i believe i'm the first person that paid Kristen to uh stream stanky dick
0: wow the only i think the only person maybe possibly. i mean you say that again psa Friends made it. I liked it. I was happy to share it. I'm like, I <laughs> no one even remembers that reference, but the three of us, uh, and I don't even remember selling stickers for TRS or giving stickers away. I don't even know. I didn't even oh. remember making stickers for TRS. Dude, that's so.
1: how Alex bought his first house. You, you mm. weren't in on
0: that. All that sticker money. Yeah. <laughs> the sticker price. Um, I <laughs> uh, well, that's makes me very happy to hear it, Todd. Thank you so much for, uh, sticking with us all this time. And it's awesome to get to talk to you for realsies on the show. So, uh, Let's jump in and start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the week is the story of the week. Story of the week it's the story of the week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting our subreddit. That's DLC. Oh, excuse me, that's five by five DLC dot com. I know I know things I know where things are uh and that's an awesome group of people actually it's a really cool community I visit frequently and uh, you should too but Todd you are our guest so you get first pick of stories what would you consider to be your story of the week
2: well, I'm not sure where you guys stand on the Animal Crossing. I am a newbie myself, but my son has shown interest. He's a 14-year-old boy uh, that loves uh Nintendo uh, more so than I do, probably. And then there's news about Animal Crossing, the fact that they're going to limit your availability to play this um in a way that would say it's consumer-friendly. They're saying one island per console, no system transfer, no cloud saves, and obviously the internet, uh, that equals internet outrage. So, um, it's, it's kind of a crazy thing because we think we've moved beyond, you know, where you can play your game, how you can play it and in fear of saves going away. And Nintendo seems to not really embrace that.
0: <laughs> Nintendo not embracing the industry standard on, on, on technology. What? That's crazy. How many uh,
1: islands I- do you have in real life? Todd, at least Nintendo's going to give you one island. <laughs>
2: uh nicholas cage is selling me one of his islands oh dang it good point
0: Uh, thanks tax reclaim (laughs) um we uh i am not a i'm not a animal crossing guy christian i don't think you are either really are you are are Uh, i will say this again and i will keep
1: saying it when animal crossing comes up i bought the mic for the wii so that i could play animal crossing on my wii with my brother-in-law and brother Mm. and their families and i've owned every version of animal crossing
0: Mm. that's Mm. been released
1: the fastest deleted the mobile version
0: (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah um yeah so i guess christian you'd be the one to to ask about this are you mad about the one island per switch are you mad about not being able to transfer your save data between consoles do you feel like this is artificially uh limiting and for no good reason
1: yes and yes and yes the 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 sad part and todd I, i don't know kind of where you or your son come down on this but it's like Am I giving it a pass because it's Nintendo and you kind of expect things like this from them? I I think so. Like, it it does seem ridiculous that the console manufacturer who seems to sell me the most variants of their same console over and over and over again is the one that seems to repeatedly make it difficult to move my things between said consoles. Hmm. And Animal Crossing has been more um sharing friendly in the past um the 3ds version was was very share friendly if you go back uh like the Wii version it's just you could put your save on your sd card i i believe and move it but it also was more of a home console than the switch where with the switch light and moving things over it, it seems as if nintendo's the cloud saves like we, their system has it if you're a switch online member but not every game supporting it and when messaging gets murky like this, I think it's highly problematic. And I think it is anti-consumer because you can't sell someone on one promise and not deliver it across the board. And I think to your point, uh, Jeff about stadia where it's like four (laughs) K four K like it, it bothers me when you kind of shout from the rooftops, like pay for our service and you get this stuff, but like not the, not that game. Well, why not that game? Well, we don't, Oh, that is a game we make. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it, it it boggles my mind. It really does.
0: Yeah, more like animal staying. <laughs> Am I right? Because of the no cross saves? I think the animals um, leave, but you stuck with your same stupid mm, island. <laughs> yeah, so I guess the, the official text as translated by Kotaku says, uh, quote, if you own two consoles, please be aware that you cannot move your island from console on which it was originally created. This was not the case with Animal Crossing New Leaf, which was the most recent Animal Crossing. Um but is there any do you guys have any theories as to why they would want to do this? Is it just buy more copies, uh copy protection, don't trade your thing in. Feels like an outdated method of doing that and and kind of to what end? I don't know.
2: I have a lot of friends in the Nintendoverse that are really I don't want to call them defenders, but they, they basically said Nintendo is saying this is a game they want you to play together. Like you can only have one on uh, island per console because they want you to play with all of your family members together, whether you play well or badly together. So if my son decides to create a trash heap of a island, apparently I'm going to be okay with that. Which hmm. could be okay. But if you have children, young children, like my sister has loves, uh, her, her children love Animal Crossing, but she has an autistic daughter. And if my nephew came in and messed up her island, that would not go well in her, in her household. Yeah. And she doesn't want drama. And I'm sure your wife does not want your children to be like, they're Jeff, they're causing me chaos because their island is now a hot
0: mess. Can you fix it? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That does sound like something my wife would say. Uh, the, the this sounds a lot like uh, Animal Crossing hardcore mode. You know, it's it's uh, <laughs>
1: yeah. anything
0: yeah. you do in Animal Crossing stays in Animal Crossing. You you best be on your best behavior in Animal Crossing. Uh, but I totally feel you, Todd. That that is that is a precarious thing. You're talking about family dynamics. You're talking about siblings. You're talking about this is this is a game that you can imagine. People sharing sharing these consoles among families, uh, and it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like the the right choice here. But it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out because Nintendo is also saying that if your Switch is broken, lost, or stolen, that they're considering implementing a save data backup functionality, but that will be limited to people who have the Switch Online subscription. It's so, so it's like, weird. well, we can do it. We're happy to do it. <laughs> it's just. I don't know. It's very strange. Yeah, Very and strange.
2: and another argument has been there are apparently cheaters in the Animal Crossing world where they change the clock, dupe items. Mm. And I'm just so curious about that because it seems like, does that really ruin it for anyone? Because it's not like a competitive game. It's not like I have more shells or or bells or whatever they are, so I'm better than you, and it's going to make people unhappy. It's just a weird concept of uh, ruining cheaters ruining it for others where Nintendo could play on. They understand the commerce. They understand the economy, so if they understand, seeing someone gets a billion bells, you know, just ban the guy. Versus, uh, I guess, you know, banning everybody else from having sex
0: I got my my Christmas letter in July. Yeah, oh, you, you get Christmas letters in this game, right? I don't know anything about animals. Sure, Crossing. yeah, it's all about seasons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See, so my joke made sense. Hey, all right, well, that's uh, that's Animal Crossing, and it's coming soon. It's kind of one of the big Switch games of the year for a lot of people uh and uh this seems this seems really uh strange but you know nintendo gonna nintendo i guess nintendo gonna nintendo uh christian spicer what is your story of the week there are
1: three very big stories that are pulling at my heartstrings and there's a fourth story that's not as big that i will talk about later um that is my whole rest of my heart um
0: just the strings is, and then the other part it is hard there's yeah and it's, strings and then rest
1: String and rest. Um, there's a lot going on. Okay. Where to start? Where to start? I am going to start with or pick my story. The story that I am going to pick is that Dan Houser said bye bye to Rockstar. Yeah. Half of the Houser
0: brothers gone. Half the
1: Housers. They founded Rockstar Games in 1998. Uh, Dan Houser was the writer or co writer of GTA V, Red Dead 2. Um, I guess he was lead writer on
0: both of those. All the rock stars. And the, yeah. he's leaving
1: very soon, March 11th. And Rockstar and I think parent company take two stock. I forget the exact dip, uh, but it took a hit when this was announced. And this feels like big news to me in the sense that the company, this is a moment for the company to see, what it is as a company versus what it was as these two individuals and i don't know i mean the company clearly has very talented people that work there but i think as we've seen in blizzard over the last 4 years or so and continue to see that or, or bioware that you know that's kind of um put up or shut up times for companies when these founders these visionaries these rock stars of the industry and of the company move on what is left of said company like are you a buyer Bio- bioware fan or are you a fan of the doctors right. and i'm curious to see what rockstar becomes now with arguably the biggest voice of its products um
0: moving on it's also an interesting company in that they are notoriously tight-lipped and yeah pretty much uh, pr free <laughs> you know they don't do a lot of Uh, you know, under the hood, behind the scenes type stuff uh, that don't share a lot of their process with the world. And you would assume that someone who is the lead writer on games that are very narrative heavy will have a big footprint, big, big fingerprints on those works. And that it, it seems like it would be potentially very tough shoes to fill. But you also don't know what the inner workings of that company are, and how many people contribute to the writing process, and you know who, how much Sam is going to step up. Uh, it's a it's a hard it's a hard thing to quantify from my perspective because we just don't know a lot about how Rockstar works. But I think you're correct in staying, saying that we certainly have a lot of examples of these companies that seem like institutions that seem you know, the, the, your sure bets, and then a couple of key figures depart and all of a sudden they're not what they once were. And it, you, you know, you don't know if that's, that's a coincidence if, if, or, you know, one's a, was it? One's a fluke, two's a trend, three's a problem. Who knows if this is, if this is the kind of thing that happened. Mike Morheim leaves Blizzard and all of a sudden Blizzard just doesn't behave like Blizzard at all anymore. Mm-hmm. Is that and there a, are certainly
1: it, examples of the other way around too, where like companies get better or continue on a trajectory. Um, Disney certainly had its ups and downs over its lifespan, um but it, it definitely hits, it is at its highest now than it ever was. Not like Walt left and Disney went away. You know, yeah. by left, I, I'm not trying to be dismissive. It came out weird. Walt passed on, and other people took over stewardship of that company, and it is doing great. um Marvel Comics, before they were sold to Disney, also had some rough patches did great so there are other examples of nike uh well if you want to get into the vaporfly controversy that's something else but yes it can go either way and i'm curious to see um which way rockstar goes todd do you think this will impact like any upcoming games or anything do you think this is bigger or this is just kind of hey we're going to release this news in february because everything's quiet now and people will forget about it come you know the summer e3 or whatever
2: Well, it's, it's amazing the fact that, uh, GTA is a, uh, annualized, uh, franchise, right? Uh, actually not, (laughs) obviously it's not. So we don't know when GTA six was coming out, obviously, uh, you know, red dead redemption Two. the online is firing on all cinder cylinders, GTA five potentially will launch on next gen consoles with its online con- you know, content and there's really no pressure to bring out a gta 6 which is just crazy unless they're going to do like a uh, table tennis or a weird bully or a weird side story on switch um i think they've got a lot of time to figure out where they need to be i i, I think there was one even uh quote they said I don't know how we would parody the world in 2020 basis our, um, our fictional world of GTA. So, I mean, it's, it's a kind of a strange concept. Sad commentary. Absolutely. But absolutely. it's like, it, it absolutely makes sense. And, and since GTA launched, I mean, think of what's actually launched. I mean, TikTok, all of the weird world we live in, uh, Facebook, Instagram. I mean, it's even more so, uh, elevated. I don't know if this matters as much because the storytelling is going to be handled by other people. Um The other pieces seemed like they're a, a finely tuned engine that just happens. So I, I don't want to dismiss this creator, but, I think things are in place for them to make this continue to go. I just think that what's lacking is what could Rockstar do that's different than what they've done in the past. And I would like to see them try different things um, rather than just continue to focus on the same franchises.
1: I mean, I wonder if where their money now... I mean, it already is so much of their money, but is like GTA's online mode and Red Dead's online mode where not narrative-based, right? Like what keeps that game, I think... GTA five in the top of the sales every single month is all of the other stuff you can do in it and kind of those self-made viral moments. I'm curious to see if we see, you know, Rockstar maybe pivot heavier in that way and just kind of creating these sandboxes, or how important is that super stylish, um, you know, trailer, cutscene moment of of their worlds that they build to what they're
0: going to be making in the future. That's a really good question. And I think that that it's pretty clear that. What they their track record points to the fact that that they they have been very passionate about the narrative in their games mm-hmm. and uncompromising. And what I find to be most exciting about Rockstar is that they are buffered completely against having to bend to any outside pressure. They make so much money that, they can do whatever they want. And there's something kind of exciting and interesting about that. I, I personally haven't found their products to be very compelling to me for quite a long time. I mean, I barely played any of Red Dead Redemption 2. And I although I completed GTA 5's story mode, I didn't enjoy very much of it. Um, So to me, this isn't a huge loss. I, I find the big swings that they take and the level of commitment to... Minutia and uh, the time that they take to make their worlds and all of the things that make Rockstar Games head and shoulders above other developers in terms of uh, verisimilitude and, and just commitment to craft to be exciting still. But I also maybe think this could be an opportunity to make a narrative that's actually more something that I would like. So who knows? Who knows what we'll see in the future? But I agree with you, Christian. It's a big deal. Certainly not a, not a small deal that one of the two biggest figures in their company's history is departing. But I will say, man, Dan Hauser's is going to have the best life now. Don't you think (laughs) he's just going to have the best life? He's, he's, just has no worries about anything now. I would, I would guess. I'm, I'm projecting. Everybody has, has issues think, and problems, but man, think, it just seems like he's, he's just going to be surfing on a pile of money for the rest of his life
1: on his one Animal Crossing island. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he'll find something. I, 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 don't know. I, I feel like he's worked so hard for so long. Um, again, it seems from the outside that I bet you'll see him write a feature, a Broadway play, a TV show on HBO Max or something like. <laughs> Got to get that EGOT. This guy's got stories to tell. Yeah, you're going to see something out of he it. He needs that EGOT. I would love to see him do some great content for Nintendo. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that's what Nintendo's looking for. Um, well, that leaves me some juicy stories to pick from. I think I'm going to go with, for my story of the week, uh, this interview with Phil Spencer of, of Xbox, uh, saying that he considers... Their competitor at Xbox, not to be Sony or Nintendo, but Amazon and Google. Um, that Sony and Nintendo are not playing in the same sandbox uh, because they don't have cloud tech like Microsoft's Azure platform, and that that's really where Xbox is competing. That they, with Project uh, XCloud and with um, Microsoft Game Pass that they are really a services company and Nintendo and Sony are doing something that Microsoft is basically leaving behind. Uh, The quote here is when you talk about Nintendo and Sony, we have a ton of respect for them, but we see Amazon and Google as the main competitors going forward. That's not to disrespect Nintendo and Sony, but the traditional gaming companies are somewhat out of position. I guess they could try to recreate Azure, but we've invested tens of billions of dollars in cloud over the years. Um, over the years. Um, So the reason I think this is interesting is not just because it makes for a good headline, which it does, but because I think this really shows an insight into something we've talked about on the show over and over again, which is the future that Microsoft is positioning for. And the, the idea of how we are all going to be playing video games in the future. And, you know, I made a, a, cool ranch prediction at the end of last year about halo being on a sony system or on a nintendo system on some other system I think and you i think, said nintendo but go ahead and I think I adding to your prediction i think <laughs> i didn't say, say nintendo but i i think this bolsters that that idea i think this is what he's talking about is the idea that microsoft the gone are the days of the console wars so to speak uh, this is all about that next he's you're fine taking the $400 once every five years. They want your $10 every month for five years. They want your commitment to their platform. They want, they want to be, uh, the bartering every dollar that you spend online in their ecosystem. And I think that is going to be ultimately a pretty awesome prospect for gamers, In the short term, well, I don't know in the long term, but I think in the short term, I think that's going to be a pretty interesting thing where we are going to have the freedom to play things on anything we want. Things aren't going to be locked to consoles. Microsoft doesn't care anymore. They don't care. They want to create things that are compelling and then have you use their infrastructure to play those things. Todd, I'm curious what your takeaway is from this quote and whether you think it's even accurate that they are not competing with Sony and Nintendo.
2: It's kind of a weird, uh, I I guess, uh, thought on it that it's really – I feel like this is a Microsoft stance and Xbox is riding that coattail. Um, it, it makes sense. I mean, they have few competitors in the world of, you know, servers and uh, cloud uh, computing. And it's really Amazon and Google. Um, and and quite honestly, at this point, we know Sony is going to be using those cloud servers, the Azure servers of Xbox. So in, in a way, they've got them on board. Um, in the short term, yeah, they're going to have to fight Sony uh, they're going to have to fight Nintendo for uh mind share of uh, gaming. Uh, as we know it today, you're going to buy a console, do things like that. But I mean, yeah, I mean, the future is going to be some type of uh, service that gets you games on whatever screen you own. And that makes total sense. Um, but in the short term, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of weird that they're they're pushing that off. I mean, even Nintendo has had some type of online streaming I think it was Resident Evil or whatever on their console. So it, it's it's a weird mixed message. But I mean, it makes total sense. This is what they're going after. They want to own the streaming future. And it makes a total sense because they're one of the few that can do it. Not many companies can actually invest that much of uh, their capital into this type of service. And it just happened to be that it was Microsoft Office that my, com- my that my company owns and uses uh, to basically share my data and have meetings with and use Skype and all those things things so it makes total sense google is uh in a weird space because i don't know if stadia is going to be their long-term play in getting games to consumers same with amazon we got their twitch service and we've got their fire uh devices but as of right now their game uh studios haven't delivered anything that uh is meaningful to anyone so it makes sense in the long term the short term um it just seems to be a way for Sp- phil spencer to uh i guess uh give microsoft some pub
0: well, we definitely know that Amazon is working on a game service, so we, have, we don't know much about it yet. They haven't unveiled it. Um, and Google certainly does have Stadia. So it, I think it's, it's looking like those, those companies are going to be uh, competing on a very in a very real, very direct way over that kind of service. Um, Christian, what's your take on all of this?
1: Yeah, I think there are a couple of points. And and one is, I'd, I'd, I'll i be the first to admit, I don't understand like uh, cloud server tech dominance, right? It seems like everything uses Amazon or Microsoft for something.
0: Yeah, um, certainly a lot I of think,
1: ads for AWS.
0: It's like, why do I right. need an ad for that?
1: Yes, <laughs> you know? I, I guess that a lot of people are also using Google's services as well. Um, but if you think about like a complete package, as a gamer like company that can do all of it while Twitch is spinning up their game service. It sounds like, and they're spinning up um, original IP game Twitch, Amazon game studios um, and Google has stadia and they bought um, the outer world or journey to the savage planet. And they, you know, they have Jade Raymond there and they're working on games and stuff like that as well. Microsoft, I think has most of the pieces again, assuming Azure is, you know, as robust as they say it is. And as it seems to be, it seems like they ha- they are the closest to having all of the pieces ready to go right now in terms of they have gaming market share. They have people that look to them for gaming that are fans of theirs for gaming. They have an internal studios that have been doing it for a long time. They have new internal studios. They have relationships with third parties that are good and well-established. Um They have retail that's well-established for however long that's still relevant. And then, as Todd mentioned, they've been doing this cloud infrastructure stuff for years or decades. So it seems like they're very, very well positioned to kind of fill this space. I think the question will be, um, how quickly can Amazon and Google spin up? And they certainly, Amazon and Google, have the cash resources to... You know, go all in or go Walmart, you know, should they want if they see long term profit out of it to go in and and lose a whole bunch of money for quite a long time, as yeah. long as they see dominance on the other end of it. So I, I think it's interesting. The other point that I wanted to make that links to another story, we don't have to go into it, I don't want to move away from this, but it was um uh, it was Spencer's quote at the end. Phil Spencer's quote at the end, saying, "I don't want to be in a fight over the format wars with uh, Nintendo and Sony, while Amazon and Google are focusing on how to get gaming to seven billion people around the world. Ultimately, that's the goal, which I think connects very well to mobile being yeah. Activision's biggest platform." Yeah, right let's
0: w- let's wait on that transition though, because Correct. I think there is a lot to talk about here. But but you're right. No, I mean, that's... what I'm
1: saying is that yeah, the last point
0: of this is the key we don't care about that 500 million people that are buying boxes we care about the seven billion games
1: to people anywhere everywhere however where yeah (laughs) that's that's the key and i think microsoft is well positioned to do it but then again i remember everybody laughing at when microsoft entered the space uh with the first xbox right so to write google or amazon off at this point seems woefully premature
0: and if you take these these data points that we've been talking about over the last weeks and months the series x right being this title that was going to explain the strategy of the next boxes like what is series x how does that explain the strategy and then we got uh you know there are going to be a a number the series of of things and and we got this idea that you know, there's not going to be any Xbox Series X exclusive games in the first year. They're going to support, everything's going to support Xbox One. And you, you kind of see a pattern here that Microsoft is not playing the same game that has been traditionally played in console generations. This is not, they they have decided that's not what they're doing. They're not doing PlayStation 5 or 4 or whatever, the next big number that is, okay, go out, buy the next thing. There's going to be a bunch of games on that next thing. We're going to support that for five years. Then you buy the next thing. We're going to make games for that thing. That that I don't think is what they've decided their strategy is going to be going forward. And it is a paradigm shift. This is a new methodology for the industry. And it's going to be interesting to see if that forces the hand of these other companies, If, if Sony is really going to have to adapt, or if they're going to continue playing the PlayStation 5, PlayStation 6, strategy. Uh, Because I think Microsoft is saying, it's just not how it's going to work anymore. It's going to work more like phones. And the phone market is more fluid. Things work across multiple generations. And it is all about making these things accessible. And you have freedom to play anywhere at any time. And we're accessing people that haven't played that game, haven't (laughs) so to speak, played that game, that game of generational upgrades. Like that's not what we're interested in anymore. We're interested in a, a much more, uh, open lifestyle of getting these, getting this content to people wherever and however, and making them, uh, you know, invest in an infrastructure and a lifestyle that is not a single transaction. A quick Uh, question for you guys. Um,
2: and we think about Amazon, who is providing more low cost devices than Amazon? Amazon has their fire tablets. Um, you know, Android, Google has low price phones. Microsoft doesn't play in those areas. They still have to get on those devices. And it's, that's an interesting viewpoint. If you think about it, if they want to be on those screens, they got to get permission to be on those screens. Uh, and they have to They're go not past really. those providers. I mean,
0: those are o- you're talking about open platforms now. Sure. Right? It's, not, Absolutely. it's not Apple, right? It's yeah. not a closed uh, no. walled garden. Uh, Android is a much more open playing field and they're already I mean, already X Cloud is basically only Android, right? So um that's Yeah,
1: Microsoft. Come on.
0: I love I love XCloud, but I want
1: it on my iPad. Exactly. Know, right? on, my, yeah. on
0: my iPhone, on my iPad, yeah. So I think I think that's not gonna be as big an issue for them, but it it will be interesting to see if Amazon and Google leverage those things. Um, I mean, we've already seen Stadia work more hand in hand with the Pixel phone, et cetera. So, you know, this is all these, <laughs> we're talking monopoly level co- corporations at this point. We're not talking about, you know, uh, little, uh, little, little mere global uh, electronics corporations. You know, this is the, we're, we've moved beyond just global electronics to, Monopoly level, cross, pan, universal service providers. So uh, you know the stakes have just kind of expanded. <laughs> you know,
1: what's going to happen is you're, what's going to happen is before we even realize it, is Elon owns the best one with all those satellites they've been shooting
0: up into space. Dude, my car is already a great console. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Dude,
1: I think I sent you that, but spe- this relates now that we're here. Did I tell you
0: Stardew Valley is on my car now? just no uh, really stardew valley i was on my car do you ever yeah, come out of your car jeff use... <laughs> D- Did i what do you ever come out of your car i'm in it right
1: now that's
2: right that's what i thought <laughs>
1: <laughs> but a guy bought a used tesla that had autopilot on it and then when the new person bought it tesla turned it off and they said nope you didn't pay for that like hey, man. video games are everywhere on disc dlc it's <laughs> that's it's right everywhere. yeah that's it's wild. in the car
0: but you can't use it unless you, pay you can't us. use it yeah, yeah. cloud yeah. save is not <laughs> supported
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he only had one Island on that car. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
0: Okay. So let's do that transition that you, uh, that you jumped into Christian and talk about the earnings call that Activision had um, talking about how mobile is their future. Uh, They, (laughs) they basically said that call of duty mobile has been such a massive success for them that it is going to, turn the battleship that is Activision, uh, change the trajectory of that battleship and, uh, send it into a, a, another stratosphere. And I think we've already seen a lot of indications of that with regard to, uh, you know, franchises being fewer and farther between with Activision. Uh, but now they have said that, uh, mobile dwarfed the amount of money that they made, uh, in uh, other platforms and that, uh, the call of duty player base has gone from 40 million before mobile to 100 million following the launch of mobile. And as a result of this, mobile is now the company's lead platform. That means mobile first, everything else secondary this is activision we're talking about the call of duty people the people just a couple of weeks ago we were talking about having owning the top spots of the decade what was it seven of the top 10 spots of the decade were call of duty on on consoles no no longer the top priority now it is mobile because mobile has that kind of reach uh the publisher also sees an opportunity to sell in-game ads, a standard tactic with free-to-play games, but it, can, uh, it, it has yet to roll those out in a major way, says the article. Um, but also, thanks to this success, Activision says that they are already working on, quote, high-quality mobile games for all of their most important franchises.
1: So get ready. So Call of Duty and uh, Call of Duty? blizzard games i mean they are diablo overwatch yeah yeah skylanders RAP, <laughs> uh, crash is that activision there were rumors that leaked of the endless runner i can't game.
0: imagine activision is going to be the only major publisher coming to this conclusion uh christian you wanted to make this transition so i'll go to you first what 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 do you make of this
1: well, I mean, it, it, it again harkens back to two years ago, BlizzCon, where it's like, you all have phones, you know, it, it is, it's a different version of cloud gaming where it's just trying to reach people on the thing they already own.
0: Right? Like no, we one... are dinosaurs. This is what I've, this is the conclusion I'm coming to Christian. We're dinosaurs.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's part of like, everyone's like, Oh, it's so annoying at concerts. Everyone's just holding their phone up or everyone's always just taking pictures everywhere. And The thing is, people used to do that before, but it required carrying a camera with you. And most times you'd be like, oh, I left my camera at home. So you wouldn't take the picture. Now, you don't think of yourself as a photographer, but everybody owns a really good camera. And they have it with them almost all the time. So they're always using it. Everybody has a pretty dang good uh, video camera. Again, using it often. Everyone has a very sophisticated and highly powerful gaming console with them all the time and people are using it they don't consider themselves gamers but they find themselves using it again and again and again and it's reaching people where they are with what they have the it it makes sense in that regard the thing that scares me about it is just the way that mobile games raced to the bottom in terms of cost and then the way they look to monetize most of their players and that the approach that many mobile gamers have either accepted or um, more cynically perhaps been tricked into um, accepting the form of, of payment that otherwise uh, there's some outcry against and other forms where like even when Microsoft first announced Xbox points or whatever they were called, credits, it was like 580 points is $4. And you're like, wait, what? How does... That doesn't mobile games, many of them, not all use that to the 10th degree where there's five different currencies. They translate to different things and you use real money in to do this, to do that. And before you, you don't really, and it's was like, I, I did, I, what did I do? And then you spent 10 bucks and you're like, oh, it's just 10 bucks. But then you did that again tomorrow or the next day or the next day. And I think that's the thing, the aspect of this that I think scares me the most as a dinosaur for the games I like playing. It's where it's like, I will always play games and someone out there will always make games that I enjoy that are for me, but I don't think it's going to be this type of game that Activision is so excited about right now. Well, you
0: say that, but you loved Call of Duty Mobile. You raved
1: about it, right? I thought it launched, it had a very compelling package at launch. Um, that didn't seem heavy handed on its microtransactions. I deleted it off my phone, um, after Activision and the whole Hong Kong thing. I know that no company is perfect and I am a hypocrite by supporting other companies. Um, and so I have not followed its trend to how
0: it. Right. But those, those things aside as a product, you were pretty positive about it. Like you, you, you talked about how they, they did it. They brought call of duty to mobile. Yeah, And you thought it was a, a pretty effective version of the game. Do you think that, I mean, listen, I'm on your side here. I'm challenging you on your point. No, no, but no, no, yeah, I, I, I agree understand. with what everything you've said so far, but I do remember you being pretty uh, positive yes. about the game as a game. And I think, you know, maybe there's this universe where they repeat that and they bring lots of franchises and, you know, Diablo Immortal is very, very good. And they, these games are excellent games.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I hope so. Diablo Immortal, uh, it didn't have any monetization in it. It certainly played well the last time I played it on a nice big iPad. I think for me, and while I I really did like Call of Duty Mobile when it came out, I thought it was a a good port. It it still isn't my ideal way to play a game, but I think that is because I am a dinosaur. And I think that goes to for a lot of uh, other gamers out there that they it is their first game console is their phone they have it that's how they're used to playing things so that is their preferred way to play i think a question i'll throw back to you jeff and and to todd as well i'm curious how long until and not there already are some examples but it's more common that the large franchise comes from phones or mobile we have to wait for a PC or console port, where it's kind of around an inflection point right now, right? Where if a Call of Duty wasn't Call of Duty, I don't know if it would have been as popular if the same game under a different name, you know, with very close to these classic maps, but not these maps that you know from the consoles launched. Um, it's because it had that recognition of this major IP. Same with Diablo, right? It's
0: Diablo. Yeah, but you could phones. say that about Black Ops. I mean you could say that about the next sequel to Call of Duty if it just was some other name it wouldn't Well but my question is
1: my my question is it's kind of like comic books right like comic books fed these big blockbuster movies that had this large recognition and fan base because of the comic books how long until the comic books don't matter and it's just this big Marvel releases a big superhero movie that is starring a new character that debuted in that movie that isn't based on a thing and mobile is the same thing like activision releases their next big franchise is mobile only like when does that become the starting point i don't think we're that far off well no
0: i mean clash of clans (laughs) is that you know That's what that is. It's a huge game that is just a mobile game.
2: Yeah, and that's where the uh, mobile game is feeding the audience rather than an old franchise is uh, seeding to the mobile world. My son would tell you that Call of Duty doesn't matter for his age group. Fourteen year olds. I mean, he's got a Motorola G phone, um, and I was funny because he's played Clash Clans. They actually asked me for money. Uh, he doesn't spend a lot though, but he's always on to the next thing. Uh, but the game, I, I, I was driving to school the other day, and the game he was playing was called Egg Inc. And I love this; it's a game about a chicken farm and making the most eggs. So I, I don't know if Call of Duty. I, I'm just curious: who is the demographic for gra- demographic for Call of Duty Mobile? Uh, because I don't know if younger players like the under 16 set really care that much about Call of Duty. So I don't know if it's a, it's an IP that really grabs them versus others versus what they're, uh, what they've grown up with, which is, uh, it's the, 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 the thing of the moment. It's the, uh, thing they can play for free because mom and dad lets them get that. Um, and my son was actually watching me play Call of Duty on console and I was saying, Hey, it's probably not for you It's mature, blah, blah, blah. But um, there is a cool uh, multiplayer mode you could play, and he's like, eh, that's okay. I'm going to go play tabs on my, my PC. I'm going to do this and that. So I don't
0: know. I don't know if this is just a bunch of old farts playing on their phones when they're on the toilet. Well, I, Todd, I would I would totally agree with you because that's, that's the thing I would take away. If you had asked me several months ago, I would say, oh, Call of Duty Mobile is going to be a subset of the total Call of Duty players. It's going to be people who already love Call of Duty going, I can play it on mobile, except for the fact... That there's this 60 million extra people that seem to have played it. That that w- the numbers that are coming from Activision say our audience for for Call of Duty is 40 million, and our audience for Call of Duty Mobile is 100 million. Huh. So I don't know where that extra 60 million people came from. You know that that's a that's a heck of a lot of people that I guess didn't play Call of Duty until they could play it on their phones. And I think that's what that's what this news story is about: is Activision going. Oh, look how many more people there are that are willing to try our games than there were when we just put them out on boxes that you have to buy for four hundred dollars.
1: I wonder, Jeff, if the answer to that question is the difference is that it is in, you know, different territories
0: that it wasn't in on boxed yeah. retail copies where those Agreed. copies weren't sold before. Maybe. I, I can't believe it. that seems like a huge number to just say, well, it's you can it's in app stores instead of
2: China, India. Uh, you don't think you can yeah, buy Call I of Duty that in really China? Plays out.
0: I bet you can. I bet you can buy Call uh, of Duty. I don't. In China. I mean, ignorant. I, or, I got
1: banned in Russia, right?
2: In PS4, they they didn't allow right. the because of the some of the things that were going on there. So I just think it, the first person shooters in China, specifically in Asia, have not been that popular with older players, but maybe with younger players, it's finally getting some traction. Well, we're
0: certainly out of our depth as far as uh, market yeah. analysis. But, yeah. but it, it, it's nonetheless very fascinating. And um, I think it's going to be a trend that is not going to be just limited to Activision. I think we're going to see th- – this is happening. And this is why I say I'm a dinosaur because I'm a person that wants to play the best games on the biggest screen. And that's what I want. I'm as as excited as we get – even about all of this X cloud and stadia and whatever else uh, streaming future convenience uh, is, is nice. But at the end of the day, I'm much more excited about sitting down in front of my big 4k television and getting the best image that I can on the biggest screen and the best sound system.
1: Where do you usually play your switch? Well, that's a completely
0: different situation because I'm playing, <laughs> I go to switch for a specific experience but it looks
1: better and plays better on your tv i
0: I know but if i'm gonna have tv time i'm just not playing my switch Mm. you know what i'm saying and i don't think that's the case here i don't think you you you're saying these 60 or this 100 million people is i mean maybe it is maybe it is pure convenience and it's it's more likely that it's a whole bunch of people that just don't have access to televisions to play things. Co-
1: yeah, cost and You don't need a console. It's free to download. You've got a
0: phone all the time, and that's your computer. Like, that's there's a heck of a lot of people for whom that is the beginning and ending of their computer. Like, the, the their phone is the thing that they do everything on, and I mean, it's certainly a, the case in a lot of uh, uh, other countries where... The, the phone has become the PC for people. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's probably a lot of people for whom it's just, I prefer to use my phone because that's the thing that I do everything on. Right. And I have one. Everyone has one. It's a personal device, you know?
1: Do you know the saddest thing about you being a dinosaur, Jeff?
0: Mm. Uh,
1: millions of years from now, you won't even grind you up and use you in your car.
0: No, I beca- <laughs> I, I'm, I'm useless even to You're- myself.
1: Yeah, you're just worthless. You're not even yeah. like a valuable resource that ruins
0: the earth later. I'm, sa- I'm saying get off uh, get off my fossils. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I tell people to stop using me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Speaking of using me, uh, that does not transition at all. But I do want to thank our sponsor. Our first sponsor is Hella Fresh. Uh, this is something that has made my life better uh, completely. I can say that. Absolutely, 100%, honestly, because I uh, was not a person who liked to cook. And HelloFresh has made me a person who likes to cook. I now, I love it. I, I get to be the person that creates dinner for my family, my whole family, because of HelloFresh. That's pretty awesome. It's simple. The things that I hated about cooking, about preparing food, even when I was just a bachelor, I hated this, is figuring out what to make and then going to the grocery store and buying all the ingredients, and it just takes forever. And also, I ended up with a bunch of extra ingredients that I couldn't use. I bought this one thing for this one recipe, and then I'm never going to use that again. It just rots in the fridge, and I feel terrible about it. And I throw it away two weeks later, and it it's just wasteful, and it just feels awful. HelloFresh fixes that. They give you just the amount of ingredients that you need in little brown bags that when you get the box, you get the box uh, delivered to your door this is the best. It's the best. I open the box. I look at my recipes and I pull out this brown paper bag that has all of the ingredients for that recipe. And I just put it in the fridge and I'm completely done unpacking. Three of those are in my HelloFresh box, pick them up, put them in the fridge. And then when it's time to cook dinner, I pull out that bag, open it up. It has everything I need in the pre-portioned amounts that I need. And I start cooking these incredible, simple, easy to make meals. Most of them take about a half an hour to make There's lots of variety in terms of plans to choose from. You can do the classic, the veggie, the family. We're on the family, which is a really great variety of meals. And I can cook it. It's fresh. I know what's in it. It's not crap that comes from, you know, fast food or a restaurant who knows what they're putting in my food. It's much more cost effective than going out every night. It has improved my life. It has improved my life and I have fallen in love with cooking. I now, like for Christmas, ask for a knife, a really cool knife. Like, it's awesome. So get on this train. Uh, You can get $80 off your first month of HelloFresh. That's amazing. When you go to HelloFresh.com slash DLC10 and then enter DLC10, that's DLC10, it's like receiving eight meals for free. So again, $20 off your first four boxes. That's $80 off your first month. Go to HelloFresh.com slash DLC10, enter promo code DLC10, upgrade your life, become somebody that likes to cook and eats better and enjoys that and provides for yourself or your family. HelloFresh.com slash DLC10 and promo code DLC10. All right, it's time to talk about the games that we have been playing. It's a lot, a lot of interesting stuff this week. Todd, what, what's on your playlist?
2: Wow, Uh, the streaming future is here. GeForce Now, guys. Um, They they opened up the uh, free option. It's a monthly five dollars service. It's very cool. Basically, it's play what you own or play where you want to buy, which is totally cool.
0: I feel even bad, even just in the last segment that we were talking about, you know, Stadia and Xbox, uh, X Cloud, and we don't mention GeForce now, but it is a, absolutely a player, and and they're doing th- some things that are much smarter than those other companies that we've been talking about, right? Absolutely. Um.
2: So I wanted to try this out because I have a gaming laptop so it's a little on the old side now it's three years old it's got a gtx 20 uh 1060 with six gigabytes of video ram so i'm like that's awesome but it's not that great compared to others so i'm like there's going to be a time when i need my laptop to play the the newest latest best whatever but i can still buy those games on steam epic game store wherever and that's why i wanted to give this a try um, they have a free trial. It's a uh, hour long. It gave me a countdown, but I could, uh, basically install this remotely. It's like a, basically a virtual PC where they're running the servers. Um, you need a PC, you need a Mac or, 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 or other, uh, like a, I think a G, uh, I think it's, there's other options you have as well, but I did it on my gaming laptop and I played the Witcher. I own the Witcher. I love The Witcher. Um, It looks very good on my PC. Yes, Witcher 3. Right, Witcher 3. Yeah, absolutely. So I picked up, it it loads up your cloud saves, which are fantastic. And I played it and it looked on par with what my gaming PC could do. Um, It's uh, fast. I didn't see any gaps, uh, any uh, slowdown or anything like that. Picked up my cloud saves. It installs it remotely, which is kind of cool. But it looks for all of your services where you own them, uh, wherever you have them. And I liked it. Uh, You can use a, a game uh, uh, basically Xbox controller, your, your uh mouse and keyboard, whatever you want to do. And it was great. Um and it makes me think, what could I do with my laptop now that it's not going to support ray tracing and things like that? And some games will. So um I really yeah. I really can't speak highly enough that this is giving you more choice with what you own and only charging you really five dollars a
0: month to play them anywhere.
2: That's pretty awesome.
0: Christian, a lifetime ago, you and I did a comedy uh sketch about the uh the launcher for launchers yeah they did it this is there's really a launcher for launchers and it actually kind of works pretty well on the geforce now right
1: yeah yeah it is like i guess a remote launcher of launchers and i want to add some clarity it's a potential clarity to what Todd was talking about currently two tiers it's open for everybody there is the free tier where you can play one hour consecutively, and at which point at the end of that hour you need to kind of re enter the queue for server time. But you can play as many hours as you wish. You just it would be in one hour chunks. Um and then the four ninety nine uh a month package where they say it will likely go up after twenty twenty, but right now it's four ninety nine for I uh, like the the Pro tier, which gives you ray tracing. Uh, enabled in games i played wolfenstein youngblood with ray tracing uh on a macbook uh via geforce now um founders edition i believe is what they're calling it or founders m- model
0: so you're, um, you stopped being a founder and then you became a founder
1: <laughs> you know once a founder always got a found you got a found you know, you found, you know? I've, I've been found
0: um did you find it yeah, I found it. And
1: that is six hours of consecutive playtime. And again, you can kind of re-go in again, but then also no waiting or priority waiting for queue time to get in on these virtual servers. This and it is the one it.
0: thing, though, that, that, that I find to be a little um, worrisome is this, this idea of a queue, this idea of wait, a wait time. You know? Well,
1: I agree. I I think it's right now very well. One as a founder, I never encountered any that seemed lengthy. I think it also you got though is a f- practice founder's privilege is what you got. And, and also, I should say, it is founder's privilege. Um, thank you, Nvidia. This <laughs> I, I was very much willing to pay for, and a, a, a finger on the trigger to pay for. But um, I was given access to the founders thing to play around with it and talk about it.
0: Um, it's like a special jacket, like a yellow jacket that they give you. <laughs>
1: oh did i show you the jacket the
0: founder's privilege
1: it's so good dude. yeah oh you're it a actually it's a tesla um, <laughs> <laughs> that becomes a jacket uh no no jackets no teslas um i haven't encountered any queuing as a founder but i think i think i'm speculating that it is a pragmatic way to handle the idea of this thing instead of because they're not amazon i mean maybe they're using amazon but like you know, instead of having a bazillion servers ready and no one's using them or having not enough and there's a huge line, it's trying to find that balance, right? And so as long as the wait time isn't overly cumbersome um, or used to drive people toward the founder thing where it's like, you are you can play uh, Witcher 3 in two hours or for $5, you can play it now. Like that doesn't seem great. Um, but I kind of understand it, right? Yeah. I kind of understand.
0: It, it is pretty wild watching it find all the games that you own across all your disparate things saying, Oh, Hey, some of these games work real great on our service. Why don't you click and you click and they're like, okay, here we go. And then it's like this labyrinthian, you know, it feels like one of those uh, eighties hacker movies where it's like, it's loading a program that loads the second program that loads the third (laughs) program. It's like, Oh, no problem. We right away, Mr. Founder, sir. And then it goes, you know, it loads up your other, front end you know it loads up your like your your ea now or your your
1: right it, like open steam and you log into steam or it opens ubisoft or yeah. what uh, bethesda launcher right. and you log in and then it loads it onto a virtual machine
0: it's not like it loads bethesda launcher and then you have to like type in your thing it's like it's doing it all for you you're just watching it happen into some bizarre server farm somewhere and it's logging in as you and then It's like, okay, we got this. Hang on. We're going to download the patch and make it all work, and it's going to load it right up. Don't worry. It'll just take a second. It's a very strange thing, but kind of rad.
1: It is. It's very cool. It's not quite as, like, instantaneous or seamless as Stadia when it works because, like, Stadia is just like, there's your game and you're playing it. And here it's like, you can play Wolfenstein Youngblood. Sure. Okay, click. Uh, Bethesda launcher, and then if it's your first time, log in, and then it's there, and then click, and it's gonna. But the
0: difference is, you already own, you already own that game. You don't have to buy it again, like you do on Stadia.
1: Correct. Again, I think the argument for Stadia is that you're not buying it again. It's just where you buy it, you own it everywhere. But yes, but yes, it it goes. And and some of the games are very supported. Other games are what they call like single instance games. So each time you kind of have to log in again or or install it, it's not like a real time install. It's very quick for all the games I tried, Um, but you have to kind of log in and install it. And so if that game supports cloud saves, great you can take it with you but if it doesn't those single instanced games you'll kind of be starting again from zero like it hasn't geforce now doesn't quite have all the pieces together but it is a very compelling and at this point as someone who has turned off their auto renew on their google uh stadia founder uh subscription it is i think a far more compelling approach to it than um what stadia is offering and i think todd hit a, the nail on the head where it's like it's games you own or you buy. So if you're at home and you have a, a beefy rig to play them on, that's what you'll be using. But if you're not and you have, you know, a good Wi-Fi and a device to play it on, yeah, go grind through some side quests on The Witcher, play some Destiny, you know, go do some missions in Wolfenstein. And what's wild too is that, yeah, now Todd, if he gets the Founders tier, can play Wolfenstein with ray tracing on via streaming, whereas his very powerful gaming laptop can't run it with ray tracing it's the future
0: is wide. but i think i i you kind of glossed over that fact of like you you have the game if you have the game locally you can just play it locally and i think that's a really for me that's a big deal in the sense that with stadia you are going to be streaming the game no matter what and stadia hasn't proven to me that streaming it from their servers makes it better They said that it would. They said, "Oh, well, it's the equivalent of eleven Xbox Ones strung together." (laughs) You know, but I haven't seen any evidence to that. If that becomes the case, then I will change my tune and say, "Oh, it's better to stream it from Stadia because they've got these mega servers that are going to be better than any rig I could have that's just a single computer." But until that day, I prefer this method because my local computer. Yeah, I want to. If I'm playing on my local PC that has a you know a great graphics card in it. I want to play that, but if I'm away and I don't, and all I've got is my crappy little Chromebook, it's pretty cool that I can also stream it. So anyway, mm-hmm. we, did, we kind of hijacked your, uh, your playlist there, Todd. I didn't, <laughs> we didn't mean to do that, but I, you know, it's, I, I think you're right that GeForce Now is a pretty compelling product. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, it was really cool. It did get a little bit of confusion. I tried to
2: play the ukulele uh, game uh, that I owned on Epic. Uh, it's the one that's the uh, it's the 2D one versus the 3D one. I own it on Epic, but it tried to keep finding it on Steam, which was a little bit confusing to me because I don't own it there, obviously. And I was hoping that maybe I could play a game that had ray tracing support, but I didn't own any of those. So I'm like, is there a demo? I don't know. And it only supports 400 games currently. So it's kind of a mishmash of uh, what it's going to be now versus what Going to be in the future, and specifically, I think for Mac uh, gamers, I think this is a big entry point because, quite honestly, Mac gamers are like the redhead stepchildren of uh, PC owners, they don't have much there and they have Steam, but they're like, Oh, I can only buy these games. But if it would open the door for them to play higher end games. That's kind of cool. And I think uh, Apple's not willing to uh, offer that to them, and this would be a cool way to do it. So I think that's a a cool thing to offer. And once again, it's another way to open my gaming PC for more longevity than I currently probably will have.
0: Cool. What else is on your playlist?
2: Well, Jeff, uh, I feel like you are the entry point to uh, Roguelikes for me. Oh, nice. Uh, Rogue Legacy. Rogue Legacy was a game that I'm like... I will not like this game it's roguelike I am an old man. I have so limited time i, I want to be able to save my progress and move on, but Rogue Legacy changed my world. I loved it. My son loved it. He thought this is so cool, how you can progress, change your children to have different uh capabilities like the, they're 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 colorblind different things like right. that. and I loved it, but when you talk about children more time, like you know what, maybe I'll give this one a try, so it's on game pa a game pass with Xbox. I tried it. And this game is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it like zooms out and you've got pixel art that looks completely different when it zooms out yeah. and it doesn't look like pixel art anymore. It looks like a beautiful, um, just a different artistic style that you haven't seen before.
0: Yeah. It's like the density of the pixels. As it zooms out, the, the pixels that were big and chunky and, you know, very 16 um, bit close up, they there's a density to them as it pulls out. And that, the detail in in all of that art really is accentuated. It's a, it's an awesome effect that's put to good use in that game.
2: Yeah, it's like stained glass. Right. It's just beautiful. And um, I'm not good at this game, but it's really compelling. And when I saw that it has co op, I'm like, my son needs to play this with me because he will carry me forward. But um, I just love it. It's just it's just really cool about the 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 the, the really the narrative is what keeps me coming back. Yeah. You die. And it keeps telling you more and more. You have, uh, uh, a, a mother that's grieving for children that are gone and, and, and the different, uh, relatives are talking about the son that they, he trained with knives and now he's gone as well. And it's just really just, uh, it just really brings me back versus a, uh, you know, a roguelike, which is typically just play again and get better. And this makes me more compelled because I love, I love storytelling and this really takes, uh, roguelikes and storytelling and takes it to the next level. So I'm looking to do more with it, but right now, I am horrible at it. I keep dying. I've got the dad and the, uh, the, the, um the, the, the daughter that is an archer yeah. and I'm not a really good at arching. So uh, <laughs> arching. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So I'm hoping to do more and get my son in there. Cause I think it'll be a much better experience with a co-op yeah. experience. So it's, but it's really great. I'm
0: so delighted that it's on game pass. Uh, so I hope more people give it a chance because I played it on, on steam and it's great on PC, but uh, just having it there as part of a game pass subscription is fantastic so children of morta yeah don't 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 sleep on that one
2: no no uh, and then the next game is control you guys have talked about this game um, it's funny because uh you had luke Lore on the podcast he's a good friend of mine uh he gifted me control on xbox problem is i have an xbox one s christian you have talked about the Issue with performance and how current consoles are struggling with higher demanding games. So I was lucky enough to get the game on GameFly to play on my PS4 Pro, and I love this game. I cannot I cannot sit it down. I just want to keep playing it. The narrative is fantastic. I love Remedy storytelling. The only thing I'm worried about is the uh, the the map and the uh, I guess you'd call it um, uh, the pathfinding. Is horrible. Just like Jedi, um, uh, the, la- uh, the last Jedi game I played, um, the, 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 the pathfinding is horrible. I, I don't know who we need to, to get into gaming to become the great map uh creators of the future but please fix this i can't tell if it's a level below a level above how do i get there is that a dead end is it really where i need to go and i feel like i'm spending so much of my life not knowing where to go in games that i'm just aging as i speak and i want to be able to play the game not worry about where to go but this game is fantastic i'm a little confused about the, the the leveling up but the storytelling the 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 gameplay is fantastic it's so satisfying when you get that throw mechanic and you have telekinesis and you can just lay way to everybody and you're like oh there's a pallet jack i'm going to throw it at you thank you very much it's so satisfying. I absolutely love it. The only thing I'm worried about is Remedy has really struggled in their last boss. Uh, Quantum Break, I love that game, but I gave up after that last boss. I felt it was unfair. Uh, it changed the game in an in a, uh, unsatisfying fashion. So I'm hoping they nail it here, but I absolutely love this game. So Todd,
1: real quick, you're, you are where you're meant to be. In the game and in life. Don't look for where you're supposed to go. Just appreciate where you are.
0: But where you know? I am is in this corner and I can't figure out how to get out of it. Enjoy the is corner. Is that the hiss speaking? I don't like <laughs> yeah. the corner, Christian. I don't like it. Stay in the corner.
1: Um, for my, my pro tips would be, uh, well, one also, you don't need to butter us up by talking about children of Mordov to Jeff and control to me. That's yeah, literally our you. two
0: top games of the year. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny,
1: but we we like you more now. I'm replacing one of my children with you. You can move in. It's not too Aww. late. Um, pro tips. For control, the map honestly did not bother me. I played it on PC, so I don't know if it's. I could just get
0: it loaded in and out. Oh come on, it's bad. It's bad.
1: It, it, it honestly did not bother me. But two, I did not use it as much because I used the in-world signage
0: almost mm. exclusively. Okay. But even that, uh, I I had heard you say that, and I did a lot of that, and even that, it it's not as clear as it could be, and there could be I'm, way more in-game signage. Like if they wanted, they could. They should have just leaned into that and made that the thing and not have the map which is there to it's very frustrating and i, I'm I don't not, think i'm not you saying be.
1: that i'm not saying that you or todd are wrong i am saying that
0: for me it did not bother i'm you. not saying you're wrong i'm saying i'm right <laughs> no 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 no. no. i'm, I'm just saying that it i had enough. yeah it didn't bother you. very little issue it is that. bad it is bad but i think cartography I think, for the win yeah um but yes an excellent game it was the uh the dlc game of 2019 so uh we we all agree it is uh, fantastic even if if it has some minor flaws christian spicer you have a very long playlist as well do you not
1: i do we will start with uh the only exclusive game on stadia guilt is currently free if you are a pro or a founder. That's funny.
0: Kind of. uh, guilt cost me $129 on Stadia.
1: <laughs> no, you got a Chromecast Ultra and a controller. Uh, on, so. Still
0: got a little guilt though.
1: <laughs> it is free. So if you have not, my, I, I am still currently a, fa- I mean, my pro sub is still active until I think the 19th is when it, you know, my auto-renew doesn't kick in. Um, and it is currently the free game, which I'm glad it is. But also I, I understand it's tough to buy a game on Stadia because there's only like 20. And so chances are the game you want is going to be the free one next, <laughs> next month. Um, but guilt was the launch exclusive, the sole launch exclusive by tequila works. I believe I don't have it in front of me, but I'm almost certain it's tequila works. Um, wow. I-, I wrote the game off. I would did not have it on my radar. Um, I watched, you know, like the little sizzle trailer for it and that's it. And I kind of saw the art style and just wasn't, pulled in by it um had i given it a fair shake and known what it was or tried it um before the game came out i almost certainly would have bought it on launch it is a legit horror game like not grotesque horror in the way that if your kid walks in the room they'll have nightmares but it's you know limited resources stealth um avoiding enemies using your flashlight uh collecting resources to solve small puzzles and the atmosphere the way the art style to me i didn't think the art style looked that impressive uh, on a flat screen but like a flat image but playing it the way it animates the soundtrack is so creepy it's like i got danny elfman vibes from it um i have not rolled credits yet i believe it's maybe eight hours long um but I can't play it for long stretches. It is anxiety-inducing. It is very creepy, subtle ways of, like, you think a room is cleared out, and then you kind of will revisit it to backtrack, and then something new is there, or a more powerful enemy is able to follow you in a way you didn't expect before, and, like, you're hiding in an air vent, but then the, it goes into first-person. like All of these things that that horror games and, and uh, thriller suspense games have done before but the way guilt puts the package together. And I think the way they present it in this kind of cartoony childlike um, aesthetic to me really kind of upped it because it seemed unexpected versus like resident evil where a thing comes at you and it's jaw drops and all this stuff shoots out of its mouth or whatever. You're like, yeah, that's gross. Um, You're expecting the scare, but guilt. I, I was very, very surprised if you still have stadia pro um it's free right now i would definitely recommend checking it out and seeing if you like it as well i I was blown away really really impressed uh you have not tried it jeff i have not
0: no i just wanted to reiterate that's called guilt and it's on stadia
1: guilt currently exclusively on stadia um i played some ape out it is on game pass on pc it is a game that you have raved about jeff love it um i really liked it i felt like i saw all of it by the time i finished the second I danished it. Let me say that. Yeah.
0: You didn't finish uh, it. You danished it.
1: I didn't finish it. I danished it. I played the first two albums and I was like, this
0: is really cool. And the third album started and I was like,
1: yeah, that was cool.
0: Mm. <laughs> and, well, it's and a I moved short game it. and there's not much, there's not a ton of different albums, uh, but I think that it just does what it does so well. And I think that it does switch things up from, you know, v- location to location because you're, you're an ape, but you're, you know, each album uh, such as it is is uh putting you in a completely different environment which i found different enough to be interesting but sounds like you did not
1: yeah i did not i think it's because uh, partly to blame is the game pass nature of it like i didn't have any real skin in the game i was like oh i'll play this and it was a sunday afternoon or whatever and i played for a few hours i was like i i played it and the witcher 3 is still calling me there are other games that are like i have and i'm invested in that are kind of calling me to put more time into um but again if you have game pass ultimate or game pass on pc very very easy to recommend and play with headphones or play with a good uh a good sound system the jazz it again is also like anxiety inducing in in a way that you wouldn't expect for that type of music to maybe be
0: it's so good Um, ape out is different it's so unique it's such a unique game i love it
1: yeah it's really well done uh, we mentioned Wolfenstein, RTX, Destiny 2, GeForce. The game I want to talk about that snuck up on me, um, is, uh, Scourgebringer. It is also on Game Pass on PC. I believe it's also on Steam Early Access. I came across it as a headline, um, Kotaku, Polygon, Destructoid, GameSpot, or IGN. <laughs> One of those. Internet. It was on the internet. Not gamesindustry.biz. Uh, I love gamesindustry.biz, but this was not where that headline came yeah. from. And it was like if you like Celeste but wish it had more swords, and I was like, <laughs> I love Celeste. Celeste with swords, I'm in. Um, and so Scourge bringer, it is, in my opinion, I think it's it gonna is
0: Scourge bringer. Scourge, I think so. Scourge, I think it's Scourge. Scourge, Scourge. <laughs> I think it's Scourge, but I could be wrong.
1: S C O U R G E B R I N G E R. Scourge. Scourge.
0: No, I just did a I just googled it and it's Scourge, guys. Scourge. Yeah. Oops. Which way was I saying it? <laughs> Scourge.
1: Scourge bringer. Yeah, you go. Well, at least Subreddit can't be mad at us for not saying the name of this game enough. <laughs> I just looked at a
2: trailer for it, Christian. It does look like Celeste with a lot more anger.
1: <laughs> so it is it is Celeste meets Dead Cells meets Katana Zero. So if you took three of my very favorite games from recent history and combined them. That's what Scourge. I know I have it wrong in my head. (laughs) Say it again, Jeff. Scourge bringer. Scourge bringer. Thank you. Scourge bringer. (laughs) Stop it, Todd. You're fired. I don't care how much you like control. Scourge bringer. Scourge bringer. Scourge bringer is, it is absolutely phenomenal. So it has the platforming it so far. I'm, I'm not very good at it. Like, Dead Cells. It takes me a while to kind of find my rhythm in these games, but like Celeste, you have an air dash, you can wall climb, uh, side scrolling, you know, side scrolling, but side view two D, and you're going into rooms. It'll, but like Dead Cells, it is procedurally generated in the in the micro. The macro is there are kind of set levels and and bosses that you go through. But also like Dead Cells, you're collecting instead of souls, it's blood. And there are vendors in the map where you can use the droplets you've collected to get weapons or health or stuff like that. Then there are also these towers, I forget what they're called, um, where you can unlock uh, like a a permanent upgrade for the rest of that run kind of thing. And then you can also get points. I forget what they're called. I apologize. uh, Like, but some, you know, longer term point for your larger skill tree. That is a permanent unlock. So you know you can have five percent more hp or do two x more uh, sword damage and you keep that even after you die and it's very similar to dead cells that when you die you're kind of back at the starting point with this the other characters npc that you talk to um to trick cash those in and then jump back in and replay but then when you go back while the tile set and enemy set of that level are the same the layout of the room's are different and which enemies you encounter are different in each room similar to Celeste this is scourge bringer <laughs> nice is uh, one screen essentially um, each, each room that you enter is one screen and there are already enemies populated in the the world when you get there in the room when you get there but it seems like almost every room after you take out that initial batch of en- enemies new enemies will spawn. Uh, before the, the the level unlocks and you're able to move on to the next part into the next uh, tile, so to speak. And the combat, because it has that celeste like air dash movement, but also a kind of a katana zero sword air dash, you know you can keep attacking in the air to keep yourself floating and bouncing off enemies to recharge your air dash to slice into somebody else. Um, and you also have a, a gun um, uh, or a firing mechanic. It, my my goodness, Todd and Jeff, this game is the first game of twenty twenty. I keep a note on my phone. This is the first game that I wrote down as potential top five game of the year for me.
0: If only, if if only you pronounce it away, uh, scratch Bracker. <laughs> my game of That's the some year. SEO for you. My game of the year is Scourge <laughs> for Flag and Snarbin. <laughs> Scourge
1: Bringer. It is an early access. It's also on game pass on pc if you have game pass ultimate or, or game pass on pc i cannot recommend it enough they said they're going to tweak you know they're they are working on it i think much like dead cells i know jeff i remember you raved about dead cells before the rest of us plebs played yeah. it um as it was early access on pc i, do I cannot imagine what's that I do that. yeah you do that I, children of morta another okay. one i cannot imagine that th- that scourge bringer does not end up everywhere at some point um after they kind of balance or tune things
0: and change the uh, title <laughs> and change the title to
1: to a word that this dumb dumb can say um uh, the music the the effects the pixel effects behind it like when you're damaged like the whole screen will shake and it's it's fantastic right. fantastic uh and it's roguelike as well i guess i mentioned that with the kind of dying and whatever just, um yeah, go ahead yeah I, I think the only thing that i think will keep it from like hitting the satisfaction i had with a game like celeste i think as a gamer i prefer not procedurally generated levels i kind of like the thrill of perfecting a thing that i know is going to be the same when i get to celeste. it versus yes yeah. it's celeste or mega man or yeah. donkey kong or guacamelee um versus this little bit of like, i feel like i am better but i I'm good enough to beat the game, but the game just
0: gave me a hard run. Right, 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 right. Yeah. You never um, know if it's just, you just got unlucky with the algorithm. Yeah. Did I get the,
1: like my million infinite universes, my time to beat dead cells was my second playthrough. Yeah, That's <laughs> when I had the best loadout, but I got distracted. You know, <laughs> um, But Scourge bringer, incredible game. I cannot recommend it enough. Go and check it out.
0: Well, we got a theme this episode, evidently, and it is roguelikes. Words Christian can't say? Yeah, that though. too. That's every episode. <laughs> <laughs> the, I love the fact, uh, Todd, that you said that I sort of uh, helped you uh, learn to love roguelikes. I guess I'm learning. Uh, this week, I really, it really d- driven, drove it home, which is funny to say because of how long I've been raving about roguelikes. But this week, it really drove it home how much I truly love that genre. I really do. I never would th- have described myself as somebody, but it, te- it seems to be that all these games that are roguelikes are my favorite games. <laughs> and I'm going <laughs> to talk about two today. One is, I, you know, I, we joked about how I, I'm the guy that says it before everybody sometimes. This one, I'm very late to the party. Uh, it is in early access, but I finally got around to buying Hades on the Epic Game Store. Uh, which is the new Supergiant Games game. I'm a huge fan of Supergiant Games, mostly on the back of Bastion, which I think is still one of the great games of all time. Uh, It's in there. Uh, You know, it was making a play for my top five of the decade of Bastion. It is just exquisite. Um, And the games that have followed up from Supergiant Bastion uh, never quite lived up. But I'm here to tell you that what I have played of Hades is the game that has come closest. It is closest to recapturing the perfection that is Bastion. Hades is real good. And I've been waiting to buy it until it was out of early access, but so many people have told me just get it now. And so I did this week and um, it's extraordinary. First of all, visually unbelievable. The, the, visuals in this game the animation the art style these sort of thin line look a uh, very hand-drawn uh, it's, it's its own thing Supergiant really has crafted their own aesthetic it is a very uh specific aesthetic for Supergiant that the art that is hyper detailed but very clean and then that sort of voiceover driven narrative thing they do all the time Hades has both of those I love the look of this game. And it's interesting. It does support ultra-wide screens, which I like, but it does it in a very strange way. It actually places art on either edge. So instead of black bars on the left and right for the ultra-wide, it has art that's there. That doesn't change. It's static. But somehow it makes it better. Somehow it still feels like it feels cool because the the screen is full of this vibrant, beautiful art that is uh, throughout the game um and it's i'm like yeah more more places to just do this just add the you know like you know when a a bunch of those old retro arcade games came out on xbox live arcade uh, you know a decade ago and they would put like the the cabinet art around the edges to pull it out that's kind of what they're kind of what they're doing here with ultra wide um but i think it makes it better it makes it better so anyway that's cool but the game is pure action roguelike Uh, and like Bastion, new weapons that you get in the game, which in this game, you have to accumulate, um, keys that are, that are, that you can earn through the levels to purchase, uh, the new weapons completely change how the game is played. And they all have variety of, of attack types and hold down the button to do certain, certain thing and just tap the button to do a certain thing. And then it's got a ranged attack and it's got a, so it's fun, just like in Bastion, to get a new weapon because it changes the game completely. Uh, I mean, and a lot of roguelikes are like that. Dead Cells is like that, too. But um, this game even more so because it really becomes your only attack, uh, your only method of, of defeating enemies. And um, it's a blast. It's got a lot of style points. It's got a lot of really wonderful uh, flourishes, this game. Like, for example, anytime you go through a door, it shows you it has like a little sphere a little like um uh, snow globe looking thing on the door that shows you what the big reward for clearing that room is going to be so oh, so you cool. can choose which door to go through based on what reward you'd like to earn so which is great because you're going oh I'm I'm going for keys this this run or I'm going for um gems to try to buy uh, upgrades that'll persist through different runs or I'm low on health, and the only way to get more health in this game is to buy it or uh, win it by finishing around. So you can, like, look for the doors that will give you health because you're like, oh, I'm low on health. It, is, it really is a resource uh, that doesn't regen, doesn't recharge. It is hard to come by. So uh, that's super cool. Uh, the enemies are super cool and, and wild, and it, it borrows things from Diablo where, you know, you'll go and – What is it?
1: It's called Hades. Hades. Game? Yeah. Hades.
0: Hadas. Hades. Oh, Hades. <laughs> Hades. Hades. Hades is the name of the game. Um, but it borrows things from Diablo where like, you know, uh, you'll go through a room and the enemies will be supercharged in some way and different. So the same enemies you've been fighting in other rooms now have a special uh, adjective that changes how they behave and, and makes them harder. Um, that adjective is just a, a curse word to you, the player. Pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much. Uh, Hades is very, very good. And um, I, would recommend people don't wait for it to come out of early access. Cause they're constantly upgrading the game, changing it. They added a new, a whole new like expansion level amount of content. Evidently. That's what
1: I wanted to ask. Like, what do you, do you think it is just like these roguelikes are often in early access, um, for balance tuning? Like, what do you think is in their heads or do, do games just not come out? I think, games come
0: out. <laughs> I think know, it just you know. makes more financial sense for games to be released like this. They, they get, they cultivate a very passionate community and then they can hyper serve that community by giving them frequent updates and, and that community becomes their proselytizers and helps get the word out on the game. I think it's a, it's a pretty solid business strategy. Uh, yeah. And you how's, know, the, really- how's
2: the narrative Jeff? I know that's their strong point with uh, Supergiant.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's cool. It's all gods. Like, um, uh, uh, Zeus and and uh, you know Hades and and all those gods that you're familiar with. The art is fana- fantastic, and you have this this little house that you respawn in every time you die. Um, and there are people hanging out around there that give, fill you in little bits more. I wouldn't say it is as compelling as something like Children of Morta or even Bastion for that matter. matter. But it is fun, and the characters are you know vibrant and. Uh, I wouldn't say this is the game I come to for narrative. Uh, I definitely was hooked by Children of Morta's ma- narrative in a much more um, solid way than, than this game, but the mechanics are so fun and, and the visuals are so rewarding and interesting to look at constantly uh, that this game is is very, very easy to recommend. Hades is the name. It's on uh, Epic Game Store. I don't think anywhere else yet. Um. All right. Uh, so that's what I've been, but I want to talk a little bit about VR, but first I want to tell you about how I smell because this is a podcast with your nose. No. Yeah. Well, that's how I smell, but I want to tell you how I smell. Ah. Uh, this is a podcast and therefore you don't get the joy of my odoriferous emanations, but if you did, you would smell me smelling like coconut and vanilla. Or eucalyptus and mint. Now, if I just said those words to me a year ago, I wouldn't think that sounded like a good thing, maybe. Eucalyptus and mint, I don't even know what that would even smell like. Let me tell you, because I have native deodorant on, I can tell you the eucalyptus and mint is pretty wonderful thing to smell like. And you don't have to take my word for it. No, no, no. Talk to my wife. That's the most important person. She loves how it smells. In fact, she's often borrowed my native I got a bar of native. She's like, can I just have this? And I was like, yeah, sure. It's great. Uh, the best thing about native, uh, it's safe. It has ingredients, you know, it's ingredients you've heard of like coconut oil and shea butter. Uh, it's, you know, it's not going to have stuff like aluminum and, uh, or aluminum. As someone corrected me, uh, parabens, talc doesn't have those things in it. People prefer having ingredients they've heard of. Uh, it has, like I said, wonderful sense. And a wide variety of them. There's lavender and rose. There's uh, cucumber and mint, eucalyptus and mint, coconut and vanilla. And they also have uh, limited edition scents sometimes. Pretty cool. And there's the unscented option in case you want just no scent. And a baking soda-free formula for people with sensitivities. That's pretty great. No risk to try it. There's free shipping on every order. And Native offers a 30-day free return an exchange in the United States. So just give it a, give it a shot. They have over 9,000 five-star reviews from happy customers. It's pretty great. I really I genuinely like it and my wife loves it. Um, so she has better taste than I have anyway and better smell. <laughs> All the senses she has are better. Uh, so for 20% off your first purchase, visit native visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code DLC during checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com. And promo code DLC for 20% off your first purchase. N-A-T-I-V-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T dot com. And then that promo code DLC is the most important part for 20% off your first purchase. All right.
1: VR. Let's talk a little, real quick, real quick, real quick. Sorry, Hades is also
0: on Steam. Just so people driving, yelling, it can be. Calm. Also on Steam, Hades. Yeah, they hate me now that I've said that because people don't like it when you don't when you say the Epic Games Store is the only place to get something. Hades on Steam.
1: Okay, virtual, virtual. Air Christian interrupted Jeff's virtual reality. No, that's
0: okay, uh Todd. I know that you have been playing a little VR. uh Tell us what you've been playing.
1: Yeah, I'm a noob.
2: My son wanted uh the Quest. So he actually ponied up half of the Quest to get it. So that's why we have it. So I'm cheap. He loves to do new gaming uh expectations. So he is totally into Beat Saber, and that's all he does. And he sweats all over the Quest. But what I do is a little more rela- relaxing. So my co-host on our gaming podcast, Co-op Mode, Got me a preview, uh, review copy of Ghost Giant on Quest. Um, Ooh. yeah, it's kind of cool because I know this game had some problems on PlayStation VR. So I wasn't exactly sure what, what I was expecting to get with this game, but wow, we wow. This game is like the aesthetic of Animal Crossing, but, uh, more endearing because the, uh, people actually talk. The, the little boy, uh, I guess cat talks with other people and this is such a weird uh cool aesthetic like a diorama that you as this ghost giant character that is helping this little boy cat on his adventure you're kind of in the middle of the diorama and you're opening up the world and helping him on his way. And it's just so pleasing. And this game made me feel so good, but yet so sad for this little boy cat who's got some real problems with his life. And you're just there to help yeah. him through it. And it's adorable. And I don't know what the restrictions were with
1: uh, PlayStation in VR, but I mean, it was awesome to be able to control. Okay. Controls. I loved the game, but those wands on PSVR, pardon my French, they la suck. <laughs> and that was the problem. It's that... Using your ghost giant hands, it, it just those wands aren't great. I'm so happy to hear that uh, the. I mean, I would make sense because the quest con- quest controllers are fantastic, but I'm so glad that you had no issues. I, I did have a
2: little bit of wonkiness with the. Uh, the oculus touch controllers it kept looking like i was giving the little boy a uh, little uh, middle fingers <laughs> so i don't know why it, would, <laughs> it didn't want to keep opening up now I, I wasn't trying to he was trying at times <laughs> as most teen boys are with my, my my teenager but i mean it was beautiful like i was trying to give him the high five like you yeah. do at one point and yet my fingers didn't want to open up so i'm like what am i doing wrong so what am i doing wrong and it finally worked so i'm not sure if it's an issue with uh, just it's 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 still not released fully but uh man I I and I'm not completely done with the game but it's amazing and it was kind of cool to find all the little the little like worms that are kind of like the the things you have to find to get 100% the basketball yeah. uh, shoot that as well and it's just it's just endearing i just absolutely loved it and i'm at the point now with the little boy where he's really opening up and you're kind mm-hmm. of at his level and it's just endearing and with having a a 14 year old boy connecting with your kids at that level is so different and maybe this will teach me something and make me a better dad. Who knows?
1: Yeah. Give him the middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> it teaches you something. You're no, saying like haven't you done know. that already. <laughs> yeah,
0: sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've played a lot of this too. It's, it's a lovely game. It's got that beautiful little diorama thing that I, I just love in VR where you feel like you're interacting with this, this little diorama world. Uh, yeah. Ghost Giant. Very
2: good. Uh, anything else? Yeah, I, I tried out the Oculus Link. My like I said, my laptop is actually not officially supported, but it works. So I got the cable Christian uh recommended. I got the extension that I think Christian recommended to try it out so I was not encumbered. So I've got like twenty-five feet of of length. And I tried a game that was free to try, um, I believe on Oculus, the actual platformer for Rift, and I played Deadly Burrito. And this game is like Coco and the Book of Life, but as a shooter and it is endearing. It is and I keep saying that term endearing, but it's it's just I love the art style. Um it's wonderful. It looks like the Dia de los Muertos come to get come to life, but it's also using, you know, shooter mechanics and things like that. You've got like some uh six uh shooters that you open up, you reload, and it's just really fun. I liked it. Although I did find myself at times. I'm not sure if you guys have experienced this on VR where I I said I had to take the headset off. I come back and I'm like below the level where I'm supposed to be. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I can't get up to my level. So I don't know how to account, you know, to basically get back to the, the the surface level where I'm supposed to be, so it might have been an uh, uh an issue with the actual link. I'm not sure, but it's a heck of a fun game. It's only like ten bucks, so if you want to try it, but I think it's it's really endearing and it's 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 not you know overly
0: gory or anything like that. But it's a, it's a lot of fun. That's Deadly Burrito on uh, Oculus Link. All right, so I'm going to talk about another roguelike, this one in VR, and this game is awesome. It is called Until You Fall. This is from uh, Shell Games, the uh, the same studio that did I, uh, I Expect You to Die, which was a really fun, sort of almost an escape room as a VR game, a game I raved about all, a long time ago. Uh, really cool. You were a secret agent. You're in a very various situations, and you have to figure out how to get out of them by manipulating the environment around you. I was on pretty much every VR platform this is a very, very different game, but it's from the same excellent studio, uh, Until You Fall, which I guess could have been titled, I Expect You to Die, <laughs> because it is, a, it is a roguelike, and you are going to die a lot. There's a lot of games that have done melee sword combat in VR. It's, a, it's kind of an obvious thing. Like, you're in in VR, you've got hand tracking. I want to, you know, even Zelda on the Wii, it was like, oh, you got something to swing, let's swing a sword. It makes a lot of sense. But very few games do it very well. And I don't know of any game that does it better than Until You Fall. This game is so much fun. The idea is it is a very straightforward, almost simple roguelike in that you are going from room to room, attacking enemies that are procedurally put there. So you don't know which enemies are going to be there next. And you have to uh, run up to them and smack them with your weapons. You have one weapon in each hand. My first impression of this game was like, oh, is there literally no left-handed option? What? what is this? How is there no left-handed option? And I realized, oh, there's no left-handed option because it's constantly at both hands all the time. This game actually feels a little bit like what if they made Beat Saber, but it was an adventure instead of, you know, like a Guitar Hero type experience. You you have a weapon in each hand, and you're going to be upgrading those weapons, changing them, buying new things, adding new powers to them. Some powers are just run specific, so they're upgrades that you get in the course of a single run that are going to go away when you die. Others are more permanent and let you you know transition from run to run, keep them over the course of several run or you know infinite runs. And you'll end up, you'll realize that the composition of which weapon you have in which hand it makes a big, big difference because certain weapons are good at blocking, other weapons are good at attacking, other weapons are good, have different uh, super abilities that you can pull off and charge up. And so equipping them in your hands is really a key strategy. What happens in this game, you have a dash as well, and you can dash up, smack something, And all the enemies have uh, block bars, status bars, and then health bars. And so you have to get through their defenses in order to get them. And you have certain abilities that are better at attacking their defenses and others that are better at attacking their health. And you're swinging your arms in very specific patterns. You can smack them haphazardly, but then there are certain attacks that they'll bring at you that you have to block in very specific positions and then there are other ones that once you break through their guard you can do super moves based on very specific attacks so in in a in a large sense it's very similar to beat saber in the sense that beat saber is asking you to do a, a specific saber direction a, a, a specific saber move with your arm in order to get the most points and and do the song correctly here you're to defeat enemies you have to do the same and things get very challenging there's it becomes very much a you know almost like elite beat agents or some kind of crazy rhythm game where you're blocking and smacking and hitting and using the super moves on your weapons and using certain hands to do certain things because one hand is a, a better thing than the other hand does because of the weapons that are equipped in those hands it's awesome and then When you defeat a room, it'll give you a choice of three upgrades to carry forward. And so you're making really juicy, interesting decisions based on those upgrades. And the very visceral way in which you choose those upgrades is you reach out and grab them and then squeeze them to make them explode in your hand to release the upgrade. And man, on my Valve Index, it's so cool because all you have to do to hold your weapon is keep your hand closed. Uh, that, you know, it has the sensor on the, the cool index, um, uh, touch controllers Well, you don't actually have to even pull a, a trigger or a button. You just have to close your hand. But then if you squeeze your hand, that's a different button press. And so literally I'm holding something and then squeezing it and it explodes in my hand. It's very satisfying, very, very cool, very visceral. Um, and that's basically the whole game. There are ba- boss fights. There are much more complicated monsters. There's monsters in larger numbers, and they're coming at you from all around, and you're dashing forward, smacking them, doing these very complicated maneuvers. It is so much fun. And then you get these, you know, you get the currency to upgrade your weapons and build your loadouts and get your your temporary w- one-run-only specific upgrades like you would in a Dead Cells or other roguelikes. So it's very much a roguelike at its core, but it's done in VR uh, and and it's a physical experience of this epic sword fight that feels really, really good. Uh, I am a huge fan of this game. Until you fall, I think it is not yet available for Quest, but they say that it is coming to Quest and PSVR in 2020. It's still technically in early access until you fall, but uh, I've been playing it on Steam on my valve index it is also available for oculus rift so if you have oculus link to your uh, oculus quest you can play it um but man it, this is a top tier i kind of i kind of think must have vr game until you fall very very cool game
1: i want that quest version i also want the quest version of the walking dead game yes have you played any of it i hear it's fantastic it's good, yeah. and I just need more space. Like I have Link, but for that and this game, uh, until you fall, I feel like I want to be able to play that in a bigger space. So I want that Quest version, which apparently The Walking Dead is also coming to Quest. But that's one game that I've been. Holding
0: Christian, out. I think you're going to really dig this game. It's super fun. It's really fun. I mean, I know you liked um, Beat Saber, and it has that same that same feeling to it. it but it but it's structured that's in a awesome. way that's more. Um, uh, you know, more fantasy, more story, more uh, cool fantasy world that you're moving through. It's awesome. Very yeah. cool. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up. So stick around for those. But Todd Oxtra, thanks so much for being here, sir. Well, thanks for having me on guys. This has been a, uh,
2: it's been a dream of mine. I have been fans of you guys since, you know, back in the day, TRS, uh, long story short, my college roommate was actually, uh, best friends with college roommate, uh, with Alex. In school too. So it's like a six degrees of separation. It's very weird, but very cool. Uh, but yeah, just, you guys have made my days brighter, uh, ever since, you know, Christian joined the group in weekend confirmed. So I I appreciate what you bring to the world because you made me want a podcast and, and you really, uh, influenced what I do today. I even make dumb bumpers to make everybody happy. (laughs) What bumpers are dumb. None of them are dumb. They're all awesome. I love them, yes. But uh, if you want to check out my stuff, I do a geek media podcast, Secret Friends Unite, but I also do a video game podcast uh, called Co-op Mode. So either one, uh, both are fun. Uh, You can follow us on uh, Facebook, Secret Friends Unite, and also Twitter at Secret Friends
0: U. Very, very cool, man. I I really appreciate the kind words, and I'm so glad we got a a chance to talk to you on the show. It's been fun. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Uh,
1: I'm trying to think. What is this week? Oh, I know what I've got going on this week. Hey, listeners, happy Valentine's Aww. Day! I love you, and I appreciate you, and um, please know that I mean that sincerely. And I want you to know that you are valued, and you are loved, and you are appreciated, and you are respected. And if you are feeling low or down, please reach out to me or anyone else that you have maybe even a stronger connection with, and I will reaffirm your value and your worth and my love for you. I know it can be another difficult time for people this time of year, um, but whatever you are doing this Friday on Valentine's Day, um, please know that you are loved and you are appreciated. And that's what I want to do this week is I want to let you and everyone else know um, how valuable you are and how appreciated you are you choo- choo- choose me? I oh. do.
0: I do Ralph. I do. Ah, that's wonderful. That was a I I, Ditto, I guess. That all that? Yeah, very very well said, Christian. Dido. Dido. <laughs> um, hey, if you want to email us here at the show to ask Christian um where to send the flowers or uh, you know, complain about which of the Little candy messages he sent to you, or anything. If we talk about video games, we can even do that. Uh, our email is dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We appreciate that. We appreciate you. We appreciate uh, you listening and, and interacting with us. Um, but you can also Twitter me on the Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Love hearing from you there as well. I also have a movie and TV show podcast called the Slash Filmcast which you can find at slash filmcast.com or by searching for slash filmcast anywhere you get podcasts.
1: I heard this last one was uh, a riot. A riot? I heard it was a- an incredible episode. We did.
0: Uh, what did we do this last time? Um, oh, we we talked about a very bad movie. <laughs> so those are always fun. A very bad movie called uh, Rhythm Section, which is not good. Uh, but this week we're talking about Birds of Prey. So it uh, should, be, should be fun too. Um, also, I do the dungeon run, which is my live play Dungeons and Dragons show. I am very proud of this show, and I would love for you to check it out. Uh, there's lots of ways to do that. We can listen, you can listen to it as a podcast, it's kind of like an audiobook, really fun. I do lots of voices, silly voices. Uh, you can,
1: what if I want to watch you
0: can it? Watch it a, 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 on YouTube, either of those. You ah, search for the
1: dungeon. What if run. I want to watch it live? You want to
0: watch it live? Uh, it's uh, every Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. Uh, there's other places, though, you have to search for The Dungeon Run. Uh, but it is uh, it is good watching, and uh, I'm very proud of the show we're making. It's really about um, being good and um, defeating bad guys, uh, but, but I think on an epic scale. Um, so give it a shot. Check it out. All right. Let's uh, wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Todd do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week
2: I have two one for me one for my son Uh, the first is the toys that made us on Netflix Um, I watched the wrestling toy episode at Jeff and Mm -hmm. I think you would love this and the this series is so good because it's not just about you know being nostalgic about the toys we grew up on, but it's also telling us how they were created, how they were pitched, how they were actually developed, and all the people behind them, which is really fantastic. So if you like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Transformers, Masters of the Universe, Barbie, Hello Kitty, whatever you're interested, it's all there, but the wrestling one is fantastic because it's kind of goes behind the scenes about wrestling and all the craziness that went behind the scenes and the toys, and it's just so much fun. It's 40 five minutes of really awesome, entertaining documentary. So check it out. They also make the movies that made us as well. And they're both fantastic. So check that out. If you want to get really just a fun opportunity to relive what you loved. So cool. Check that out. Netflix,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then the next one is my son is a huge anime and manga fan. He loves my hero academia. He's been bringing me into the fold. This is on Hulu. This is essentially an anime version of uh, the X-Men and Avengers and it's Mm. how they become superheroes. So a lot of this is really appropriate for kids and it's perfect and it's fun. It's not overly gross or or, or disgusting or weird. It's just fun. And it's like if the X-Men were actually uh, lauded by the public and you see how they're, they're trained and they become heroes for the world to love and take on other superheroes and villains so it's really cool really fun my son loves it and i really enjoy it with him too awesome
0: so that is a my hero academia on uh also on netflix is that right hulu Hulu. excuse me sorry christian spicer what is your parting gift
1: Well, hopefully not to spoil slash film cast or or rile you up potentially, but uh, I saw Birds of Prey this weekend, and I thought it was fantastic. uh, My tweet that I don't understand Twitter. Apparently, I guess the DC people are very supportive, but I I, I stand by this, and maybe next week someone will point out another movie like, oh, that's a good point, but I think it might be the most comic book live action comic movie we've ever received. Hmm. And 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 someone said Scott Pilgrim. In my head, Scott Pilgrim is a little more manga to me than traditional comic but I'm talking like superhero comic mm-hmm. books. Um, it, it just captures so much of what I think lives in those comic book worlds and brings it to the page in a, and brings it to the screen in a way that um doesn't seem forced or or odd or jarring the way somehow. Into the Spider-Verse? Uh,
0: Might be. Well, I said live, oh, live action. action. Yeah, okay, fair, fair, fair
1: live action spider-verse is probably number one but this might be number two even considering uh and eh, there's so many good uh dc animated <laughs> ones um but live action certainly and i i've read that it maybe underperformed this weekend at the box office i think part of that it is rated r but i think part of that i think it's named poorly i think birds of pay and the birds of prey and the immaculate and emancipation of one rogue harley quinn or whatever it is is just it should be called harley quinn and the other characters are, are great and, and well-performed and well-acted, but it's Harley's movie. She's fantastic in it. It's super fun. Um, and the energy and the, the the soundtrack and everything that goes into it. And Ewan McGregor's Black Mask is just... Oh, I loved him so much. I, I have spoilery stuff I'd love to talk about for this movie, but I won't right now. But uh, go see it. Go see it. I think it's really beautiful on a big screen as well. Birds of Prey it uh, it blew it's me funny away. I, uh, Dave fun.
0: Chen tweeted uh, a comparison of um Birds of Prey 34 million dollar opening weekend underperforms is the headline in the same publication uh it was um um what's the car movie a Ford versus Ferrari roars to a 34 million dollar opening <laughs> weekend it's like
1: well I think it's expectations right I yeah. think Birds of Prey was tracked to make 45 I would be
0: shocked if uh. either of those movies were more expensive than the other. It's, they're both very expensive movies. So I, it's funny how the perception is Yes. Well one is an Oscar
1: bait and the other is the lowest opening of a recent DC yeah. movie. Fair but it's it's rated R so be mindful of that. I don't think I wouldn't call it a hard R like if you have a mature, you know, what whatever you do with your kids but like 14 year old. Um, I think it can work for that. Um, but it is it is rated R, so know that going in. But I I really loved it, and I I really like uh, yeah, I'm not gonna say it, maybe it's potentially spoilery. I really like what they did with the action sequences.
0: Are awesome. Awesome.
1: Is it, yeah, is it
2: DC's Deadpool?
0: Um, no, no, (laughs) okay, it's fun,
1: yeah 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 no but it's not i mean it's still very much margot robbie's harley quinn um
0: deadpool feels different but it's very fun
2: cool my my co-host liked it yeah
0: it's good it's fun Uh, action sequences are fantastic worth worth price of admission alone um we have a listener suggested parting gift this was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com this comes from andy from portland oregon andy writes hey christian jeff and friends, uh, with election season ramping up, with election season ramping up, I want to recommend a recent episode of the five thirty eight podcast that I found really enlightening. It's the January 20th episode titled When Women Run that features the voices of women who have run for political office in the United States. It really made me think about what men put out into the world and how it's received by women. I hope you give it a listen. Very interesting, Andy. Thank you so much. I will. Uh, I think that's fantastic and a great recommendation. Again, that's called When Women Run and it's an episode of the Five Thirty Eight podcast. My parting gift is basically reiterating somebody else's parting gift from a few episodes ago, but uh, it's worth reiterating and it's worth thanking Jordy Ross Conley again. Jordy sent Uh, a parting gift to us. I don't know if it was last episode or the episode before, but he was mentioning uh, the children's show bluey. That is an Australian children's show that is now on Disney plus and entirely because of Jordy's recommendation. I put it on for my son. This is by far my favorite children's animated show. It is actually one of my favorite shows. I would watch this show without my kids. It is that good. And that is never the case with children's programming. <laughs> in My experience. Uh, I mean, this is a show that I'm watching with my three-year-old and it is absolutely wonderful. It is. I have teared up multiple times watching the show. It is a, it is anthropomorphized dogs and it's this little family, mom and dad, two kids. And Basically the show is just them being great parents. <laughs> it's just, it's just them being great parents playing with the kids, doing things that involve their imagination and just being great, just being a great family. And it's so beautiful and so perfect in every way. I, I highly, it's a gift to parents. If you have a kid and you want to get out of the terrible raft of children's programming that is that just mind numbing and, and you just want to k- poke your eyes out as you're watching it with your kids bluey on disney plus thank you jordy for mentioning it jordy mentioned it and he said he didn't even have kids i would watch the show without kids it is that good it is that good it's fantastic bluey all right that's gonna do it for this episode of dlc thanks again to Todd Oxter and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those bumpers. Uh, thanks to all the folks in our chat room for hanging out with us in real time. And thank you to you, yes, you, our Valentine, for downloading the show and listening to us talk in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes. We're grateful. We love you. And we'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.